You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. On this Tuesday, January 23rd, talking Indians baseball today with Jordan Bastian, our Indians reporter for MLB.com. Jordan, as always, we thank you for the time and uh, a couple of interesting topics to get to this week. Of course, uh, many Indians fans awaiting the uh, the Hall of Fame announcement uh, not too long from now. I believe it's uh, actually tomorrow as we're <laughs> talking here on this Tuesday. And the Indians hoping that two of their own get in uh, in Jim Tomei and Omar Vizquel. We'll get your thoughts on their chances. Also talk about the recent uh, Tribe Fest and uh, you talk to a lot of the guys that were in attendance and got some interesting uh, tidbits from that. Want to start off, though, by uh, talking about uh, Mr. Smile. I-, I still, that's my favorite Players Weekend nickname from this past year. None other than uh, Francisco Lindor, and uh, Mr. Lindor happens to be the cover boy for RBI Baseball 2018. And I want to get your take on this because this might sound a bit absurd, but given the age that we live in when so many players and so, so many athletes in general are so into to video games and, and that aspect of you know off-field entertainment, for a guy like Lindor who's still very young to be the, the cover boy, for a game as popular as RBI baseball, could you make an argument as as silly as it might sound that he could consider this almost as big of an honor, if not as big of an honor as say being named an all-star. Could you make that case? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about that, but it is definitely a huge honor. You know, we did get to speak to him. Um, You know, he, he joked that he would take on anybody, but then quickly noted that his nephew beats him all the time. Uh, at video games, so no, it's definitely cool. And you're right, among that younger class of players, especially, uh, you know, a lot of these guys play these games or grew up playing these games. Um, and RBI baseball, we have it here because I have an eight year old son, and um, you know, it's a it's a pretty fun and fast paced kind of throwback game. Makes you the graphics are cool, but it kind of reminds you of the games we played on old Nintendo oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Or at least I did because you know I'm up there in age now. Uh, no, but it's cool. He was definitely thrilled. Um, and I think when you think about guy like Francisco Lindor is, even when we talk to him as a 19 year old, just breaking into to professional baseball, you know, he spoke of himself in a way of always viewing, he viewed himself as a future superstar and he has always viewed himself as a guy who wanted to be an ambassador for the game and become one of the faces of the game. Uh, it, we were struck by that at the first Futures game. I remember ever speaking to him. He, you know, he talked to about himself in that way, and it, you know, you would say, "Oh, maybe it didn't sound humble or whatever." But no, it was this guy had a vision for himself as a player, and now he's what three years into the big leagues under his belt, and he's reached that point. He's helped the Indians get to a World Series. He almost won Rookie of the Year. He's been a multiple-time All Star. He's got a gold glove. He's got a silver slugger. He's become, like you said, he gave himself the nickname Mr. Smile because everyone talks about how energetic and enthusiastic he is. He works with uh, reviving baseball in inner cities programs, not just in Cleveland, but when the Indians have been on the road. He's held clinics in road cities. He's really embraced the superstardom, and I think this is just another sort of notch in that belt for example, of, of him trying to extend his reach in the game. And 
fulfill that lifelong dream that he had of becoming an inspiration to kids and, and becoming a, a face of the game of baseball. Yeah, he's certainly on his way to achieving that status, and I think that you and I and maybe some of our listeners are of the same uh, age bracket, if you will. I remember <laughs> the, the old-school RBI baseball where all the players were shaped like John Crock or Kirby Puckett or Tony Gwynn, and they couldn't run, they couldn't move, and you could hit 500-foot <laughs> home runs or, or throw a pitch 110 miles an hour. It was all great fun. That's my RBI baseball. The, the newer stuff is way over my head. I just have to keep it simple with the 8-bit Nintendo. But, uh, Jordan, I know that uh, Lindor obviously uh, was uh, one of the star attractions at the recent uh, Tribe uh, Fan Fest there in Cleveland. Uh, you were there in attendance. You talked to a ton of players. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from that? You know, first of all, the event itself was, was really well organized. You know, the last couple of years, and you need to admit this, it, it was uncomfortable. They were, they were held in hotels and it, they were cramped sort of environments and trying to get in these long lines for autographs or maneuver around these these areas where you could interact with the players. Like, it was good in the last couple of years. It just was a little cramped. This year they got into this huge convention center space right in downtown, and, I mean, it was it was really cool. They actually built a mini field in the middle of the exhibition hall, and the players were out there playing pickup games with kids, um, you know, tons of space for the, you know, all the booths and interactive spaces. And I was just really, really impressed with the, the presentation of Tribe Fest this year and feedback we've seen from fans online and everything have been nothing but positive. Uh, one of my favorite interactions, I tweeted out a little video when Lindor was walking through the main hall, he was walking by a cornhole game and he just picked up the beanbags and he stopped a kid who was, who didn't even know he was there <laughs> You know, Lindor walks by, he grabbed the kid by the shoulder, and he handed him beanbags, and he insisted that he play him in cornhole right then. But he said, if you miss, you have to do push-ups. <laughs> and this kid, he looked like he was maybe 12 years old, missed his shot, and drops down and starts doing push-ups. And Lindor's just laughing because he didn't actually think the kid would listen to him. <laughs> um, but it was, So that was entertaining. But it just kind of was an example of how close this event was for fans and for players to sort of interact and get to know each other and, and things like that. So really cool to see. And then obviously before the Saturday Tribe Fest, uh, the media had a Friday availability uh, where we were able to go into the clubhouse and talk to a lot of the guys. And, you know, bulk of the roster was in there. Um, and, you know, they really hammer home. And you wouldn't really expect them to say otherwise. But, you know, the message from the players was basically there's been a lot of talk about what the Indians have lost this winter hey, look at what we're bringing back. You know, and I think Jose Ramirez kind of summed it up great when he said, trust us, you know, trust the players that are here. We're the ones that matter now. And there's a lot of belief in that room uh, based on a lot of things we've talked about on these podcasts. The the rotation returning intact, being led by Corey Kluber, or guys like Lindor and Ramirez being the focal points of the offense, still having, you know, Terry Francona guiding the ship and guys like Cody Allen and Andrew Miller anchoring the bullpen. There's still a ton of confidence at this team that, you know, while losing Carlos Santana and Jay Bruce uh, and some of these other guys is a big deal and they're going to be missed, this is still a team that's pretty well positioned to win the division and potentially make moves later on or even later this winter or during the season. Uh, to sort of solidify things and make a postseason run. I think Francisco has to understand his star power that, you know, he's he's probably the most popular athlete in Cleveland, not named LeBron. And if he's going to go up <laughs> to anybody and say, drop me, give me 20, they're going to drop and give him 20 because he's becoming right. <laughs> that popular and uh, that well-respected in Cleveland. So uh, the sky's the limit for Francisco Lindor and friends. And as you said, 
yeah, they've lost some guys, but uh, look at who's look at who's coming back. This is a team that should cruise, should cruise to another division crown and hopefully make a, a deeper run in 2018 uh, in October. Time will tell, of course. Uh, Jordan, uh, shifting gears a little bit, the Indians uh, well represented amongst uh, various top 10 lists on the uh, best prospects in baseball, according to MLBPipeline.com. A few examples, uh, Francisco Mejia, the number one catching prospect in the game. Bobby Bradley checks in at number six amongst first baseman and amongst our right-handed pitchers, uh, Tristan McKenzie checks in at number nine. So I want to get your take. You know, a, a couple of years ago, you looked at the Chicago Cubs and they were seen as baseball's kind of model franchise at that time because they were competitive and successful at the big league level and they still had a ton of prospects. And on the farm system, obviously, it got them a world championship in 2016. Can you make the case that the Indians are now that team, that they are kind of baseball's model franchise with regards to being good at the big league level, but still they haven't emptied out their farm system by any means? They've still got guys on the way up that could be part of this nucleus before very long. Yeah, they're definitely in that conversation. Um, I think the the front office over the last several years has really you know positioned its farm system and its big league club very well for, for sustainability. Um, and when you look at the major league club, guys who aren't on the prospect list now, there's a few that recently graduated to the big leagues. Guys like Bradley Zimmer, you know, Francisco Lindor has been up in the big leagues for a few years now. Jose Ramirez is still actually really young. I mean, they still have a lot of young core guys on that big league roster. And now you're looking at a, a kid like Francisco Mejia who's knocking on the door. McKenzie's still probably a few years away because he's so young. And Bobby Bradley, uh, since the time he was drafted, has kind of been that, you know, what they hope to, to be a homegrown power hitting prospect. A guy that, when you look at maybe the length of Yonder Alonso's contract, a couple years, you could see if development goes the way the Indians hope for a guy like Bobby Bradley, maybe he's the first baseman after Yonder Alonso. Uh, you know, so you can kind of see. Even with McKenzie, you know, right now you have this great rotation that's that's locked up and under control. Maybe McKenzie's part of the group that keeps the success going beyond uh, this current window. You know, so yeah, there's definitely uh, you know a lot of talent within the Indians' farm system. Uh, you know, is it the, one of the best farm systems in baseball? Maybe not right now, but I think to your point, that combination of major league success combined with a strong farm system that has guys rising and can maybe extend the major league window a little longer. I do think the Indians are in a good position in that way right now. Yeah, that, no question about that whatsoever. Uh, as we come down the home stretch here, Jordan, uh, and this is something I should have visited a few minutes ago when you initially brought it up, but the fact that uh, you know the Indians players are saying, don't focus on who we've lost. Let's focus on who's coming back, and that's obviously the right attitude to have. But a guy that they did lose uh, just last night, as we speak here on this Tuesday, is uh, Austin Jackson after a one pretty productive year in Cleveland, at least uh, offensively. He's now a member, along with half a baseball, of the San Francisco Giants. Uh, they got him on a two-year, uh, $6 million deal. Uh, as I said, uh, he was in that fourth outfielder role uh, in 2017, OPS around uh, 860, 870. Considering how cheaply the Giants got him, are you a bit surprised that the Indians didn't do a little bit more to retain him? Well, first of all, when I give you a nice segue like that, you got to take. I know. Uh, I should have known better. I'm off all, my game. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I uh, I think because there's still needs in the bullpen. Um, there's you know maybe trade talks still going on. It, you know may, this could have been a situation where 
Austin Jackson had an offer and and the Indians weren't ready to commit. You, know, you, you don't know. I mean, I haven't spoken to anybody yet, but I can imagine a situation where the Indians go, yeah, okay, we might be able to give you something similar, but you know, we're working on some other things right now. Or I think they weren't necessarily comfortable going to a multi-year contract. If he wanted to to come back to Cleveland on a one-year deal, I think the Indians would have been a little more uh, realistic of a player. What the Indians have done this winter for that specific role uh, was they brought Melvin Upton Jr. into camp on a minor league contract with a spring invite. It's the same type of deal, almost the identical deal that Austin Jackson got a year ago, uh, where if he breaks with the uh, or if he reaches the big leagues, it's a 1.5 million salary. Same thing with Austin Jackson last year. Uh, Melvin Upton Jr. can play all three spots, and the Indians especially like him against left-handed pitching. Same thing with Austin Jackson last year. So I think what you're seeing is they have sort of realized that Austin Jackson was going to be able to capitalize on the year that he had with the Indians and probably get a multi-year deal, and they're rolling the dice that they can potentially recreate that type of magic with Melvin Upton Jr., who's coming back from injury and who they're fairly confident that that he can kind of, as Terry Francona put it, hit the ground running this spring and impress people. So Melvin Upton Jr. is going to come into camp much like Austin Jackson did a year ago, coming back from injury, looking to prove himself, similar contract, and with a very left-handed swinging outfield, there's a great opportunity for him to compete for a spot on the roster as that right-handed complement to back up at all three spots. Well, if nothing else, I know this much. When Hanley Ramirez retires one day, however many years from now, when he looks at his career home run total, he's always going to know it should be one higher, (laughs) if not for Austin Jackson and that incredible catch he made at Fenway Park uh, into the triangle and diving into the bullpen. That was, in my mind, in a year of great catches, the catch of the year comes at Han Ram's expense, and that is something that Indians fans and Red Sox fans will not soon forget. Uh, Jordan, final thing here. Uh, on induction weekend in Cooperstown, uh, Jim Tomei, Omar Vizquel, are they both on stage? Is one of them on stage? Are none of them on stage? What do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, we see some of the, a lot of the public ballots that are already out there. Um, it looks like uh, Omar Vizquel's not going to be able to get in. It just doesn't look like he has the numbers right now. Jim Tomey almost looks like a lock. Obviously, we'll see when the announcement comes out. And many people who are listening to this already know the information. Uh, but Jim Tomey <laughs> uh, had an amazing career with the Indians, uh, over 600 home runs for his entire career with multiple teams. Just a great guy. Uh, and I think he I – mean, guy's already got a statue outside the ballpark. I think Cooperstown was sort of the next step. Usually the statue comes after the Hall of Fame. Usually, yeah. Tomey did it the other way around. Omar Vizquel, it's, this is going to be a tough one. I think over time it's going to take some convincing, um, especially for, for those of us who really like the advanced analysis. Uh, when you really pour into the numbers, Omar doesn't really stack up uh, as, a, as a Hall of Famer. But all of the other th- the, the things you can't necessarily measure, um, the things that a lot of people who watched him play will speak to you know, defensively, he was one of the greats at shortstop, played for a long time, nearly got 3,000 hits. But, again, I think he kind of has an uphill battle in convincing the, the voting body, a huge chunk of it, who are younger, who are relying on advanced stats. I think that segment of the voting body is going to be less likely to vote for him uh, than maybe some of the older school voters within that body. So 
Omar, um, I, I am of the opinion that he's not necessarily a Hall of Famer, but if he were to be voted in, I wouldn't really have a big problem with it. I think I, you could justify it. Uh, but I, I don't think he's going to get in uh, this week, maybe not for several years. Uh, but Jim Tomey, I, I think it looks like he's on the path to Cooperstown right away. Yeah, I, I agree. Any guy with a 600-plus home runs uh, deserves to be there, and uh, Tomey is certainly in that class. And like you said, he did the statue before the before the Cooperstown plaque. But, hey, uh, to each their own, and hopefully the, the announcement comes down for Jim Tomey as a member of what could be what is looking like a pretty – Loaded uh, Hall of Fame class for 2018. We get the official announcement on uh, on Wednesday, and uh, we'll see what happens there. Good luck to both uh, Mr. Vizquel and Mr. Tomei. To you, Mr. Bastion, our thanks. Uh, we'll do it again at this time next week. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Cleveland Indians. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.